Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to another Bible study. I'm Matthew Johnson, and uh, if you're a part of our church, then you probably recognize my voice at this point. But if you're not a part of our church, I just want to say thank you for joining us in these Bible studies. Uh, we, we pray that these are a blessing to your faith journey. And, uh, and if, by chance, you, you have the opportunity to come check out our church, we'd love to have you there. And we hope that when you come, you feel very welcomed. And, uh, and if you come through one of these Bible studies, make sure to say hello and let us know that because that would be an incredible encouragement to us because uh, we really do want the Word of God to be something that blesses your life. So today I get to lead our Bible study and we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 4 because we're continuing in our study of the book of Mark and I'm going to be looking at verses 1 through 20. So it's all one story and I'm going to try to kind of go through it quickly because there's a lot of commentary that's going to come in the second part of this story. So let's just begin. It says, Again, he, Jesus, began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, and then he goes on to speak. So let me just kind of set the the image for you to kind of do a mental exercise. So Jesus, at this point, his reputation was spreading People were coming to listen to his teaching, and so it actually created a dynamic that was difficult in that people would be too close to him, uh, the crowds would actually be pushing on him, and and it just was not a, a productive way to teach and for the crowds to listen. So Jesus got into a boat, pushed a little bit away from the edge of the shore, and then the crowds would come to the very edge of the water, and then Jesus would have a little bit of distance so that he could speak and the masses could hear. And so this is what Jesus was doing, and then he begins to speak to them. But it says he, he spoke to them in parables. So what's a parable? Well, a parable is a story with a lesson. So it's not simply a story, but it's a story with a lesson. The parables that Jesus told, as far as we can tell, are ones that he made up. And this is important to note because when you're illustrating a truth, then a made-up story allows you to perfectly illustrate the story. So if I were to say to you, what's more powerful, a true story or a fiction story? I think people's tendency would say the true story, because we've all experienced these powerfully true stories. But when you're trying to teach people, it can be more effective to tell a parable because you can perfectly shape the story. And that's what Jesus would do. And so we're going to look at even the why behind it in just a moment, because this story uh, actually deals with that. So Jesus begins, and he tells this story, and I'm going to read it all the way through, and then I'll explain it. He says, listen, behold, a a sower went out to sow. So sow as an S-O-W, a person who is spreading seed, Uh, so like a farmer. So a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So let's just kind of pause and look at this story. So I want you to, to picture a person who is going out, and they're going to be spreading seed by hand. So this person will probably have some form of apron with a pocket in front of them, and they will reach their hand in and pull out a handful of seed and toss it. So I know the only time I can say I've ever done anything similar to this is when I'm trying to fill a little patch in my grass if it, if it dies. 
Uh, like right now, uh, I'm having some construction done at my house, and so our backyard is tore up. And I don't know if the company will do this or I'll have to do this later, but at some point I'll have to go out there and stir up the ground, till it, um, to kind of break it up, and then I'm going to go out there with a handful of seed and I'm going to toss it. And so in the story that Jesus is making up, this individual is going and they're spreading seed, and as they're tossing it, not all of the seed is perfectly falling in the desired location. So he gives four different places that the seed falls. The first one, it falls on the path, and what we know about pathways is that is ground that gets beaten down, and so it's very hard. So the seed has no place to take root. So it just stays on top of the path. The birds, they come and they eat it. That seed is gone. Easily, we would say that that seed's, in some ways, that we'd say that's like a waste. The second one is where there are cracks, and the, the seed can fall into a place where there's just a little bit of soil, not enough to, to put down deep roots, but enough for it to spring up. So I think we've seen this sometimes where you'll look at like a parking lot or maybe it's your driveway and where there's the part of the concrete that's been cut. You know, they, they do that to kind of uh, dictate where the crack or, or cracks are going to go. But then also concrete itself can, can crack in different spots. But we've seen it where all of a sudden just like a little um, weed pops up in that. It just springs up. Not a ton of depth to it. If you wanted to go and, and pull that weed, it'd be super easy. Just pull it right out, no difficulty at all, because there's no depth. And so in this, he says that seed falls into that type of soil, it springs up quickly, but then it's scorched. The sun comes out, the heat of it scorches it, because there's no root, it withers and it dies. Again, not much value to it. The first one was eaten without uh, going, going to root. This one, kind of same concept, it's withered. The third is he throws it on some seed and, or throws it on some soil. It's good soil in some capacity in that you can put some depth there, but the problem is right next to it are the, wheat, or the thorns, and they grow up together, but the thorns are more powerful, chokes it out, it destroys it, and it doesn't bear anything. No grain, no fruit. Um, it's just destroyed. But then the fourth one, and I think you can probably obviously kind of know where this is going. It falls on the good soil. It, it puts in roots. And then it grows, and it, it not only just grows, but it produces beyond what was initially sown. So 30, 60 times, 100 times that. And so then Jesus ends it by saying, he who has an ear, let him hear. What Jesus is saying is if you have an open heart and you want to know the truth and you want to seek out the truth, you're going to find it. And that's his heart, is he wants people to discover the truth. So he tells this parable and does not explain it to the masses. He then moves on, and we can tell it from the, the verses we're about to read in this context. So later on, he's with his closest friends. So in verse 10, it says, And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. So he had the twelve men that followed him. They were the ones that he specifically called. So they're sometimes referenced as the disciples. Later on, they'd be called the apostles. These individuals followed Jesus day after day, but it wasn't just them. There were other people that followed Jesus that were part of the group. Uh, but the, the 12 had a unique calling on their life. But this group that was in Jesus' inner circle asked them about it. So they probably something along the lines of, hey, Jesus, earlier in the middle of you teaching, you just told that parable, that story. What was that about? And so Jesus answers them. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. So he's like, you guys have had a special privilege. It wasn't something they earned, but you have had a special privilege that you have access to me. I can explain these truths to you. 
but for everyone else, they're, they're spoken to in parables, and Jesus explains why. That they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. So when you first read that, it, it sounds harsh. What it looks like on the surface is Jesus is saying, that group, like basically, if you don't have any other context, it looks like Jesus is like, I don't like that group. I want that group to not understand because I don't want them to understand, and they might actually repent, and they might actually be forgiven. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. There is a group who has already made a decision to not pursue Jesus, to not pursue the truth. And that group, Jesus is explaining, because their hearts are not open, they're not going to perceive. So their eyes are open, but they don't perceive. Their ears are open, but they don't hear. Their minds are open, but they don't understand. And when I say open, I mean they're just functioning. But they're not really after truth. There are people who follow Jesus that listen simply to try to trick Jesus, to expose him somehow, to try to catch him in something that he miss, would misspeak, even though he didn't, so that they could turn the masses away from them. There are people that only out of a selfish curiosity would follow Jesus to listen to his teachings, what he might do for them. They didn't have a real heart to honor God. They didn't have a real heart to seek him. And, and what Jesus has told us in other parts of his teaching, what God has communicated in his word, is this promise. And you can find this promise in scriptures like Jeremiah 29, 13, that those who seek God with all of their heart will find him. That is the promise of God. So what you see sometimes in Scripture, you look at a verse, and it's like, man, that looks kind of harsh. And what you'll see is you need to read Scripture through the context of Scripture. So every verse needs to be read in the context of the, its own story, in the context of the, the chapter it's a part of, the book it's a part of, uh, in the Testament it's a part of, the New Testament or Old Testament, but also in the Scriptures as a whole. And what we see in the Scripture is this truth, and you, need, you can quote me on it, and there's millions of Scriptures that—not literally millions, but there are, there are hundreds of Scriptures that illustrate this truth—that God will never turn down a person who seeks after Him. If you are hungry to, to, to discover truth, God will reveal truth to you. If you are desiring to connect to God, God will connect to you. And so this is what Jesus is saying, though. For those who don't have a heart, they're not going to turn. They're not going to be forgiven. They're not going to understand. And then he goes on and he explains it to the parable. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? And then he's going to explain them one by one. The sower sows the word. So in this story, the person who's walking with the apron on, with the pocket in front, that's pulling out seed and tossing it, he's like, you know what that seed is? It's the word of God. And in Scripture, it tells us that the Word of God is powerful, that the Word of God, it actually reads us as we read it. That's what Hebrews says, that it cuts through the, the mask that we try to set up, the lies that we tell, the deception that we try to embrace. It cuts through all of that. It exposes us before God. So it doesn't expose us to shame us or that we might feel guilt. It exposes us so that we'll know what needs to change so that we can repent and, and turn from that and give it to God. And in the Word of God, it tells in other places that it's good for correction, it's good for rebuke and reproof, it's good for edifying and building up, it's good for protection and direction. So the Word of God is this powerful thing, and he says that's what the sower is sowing. It's the person who's just saying the Word of God, teaching the Word of God. And so that happens in, in environments like right now. You, you are being sown into, the Word of God is being spoken, and you're listening to it. If you go to a church on a Sunday, a typical church service, 
at some point, the pastor's going to get up and he's going to teach the Word. He's sowing the Word. If you read the Bible yourself, that's the Word being sown. If you read a devotional, it's the Word of God being sown. So he goes, that's what's happening. But not every person processes the Word of God the same way. And so there's four different options as per his parable. Here's the first. And these are the ones along the path where the Word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. So he says that first one, where the seed fell on the hard path, and it didn't take root, and the birds just came and ate it. He's like, that's like the person whose heart is hard. The person who doesn't want to hear the word of God. Maybe it's the person who just doesn't understand the word of God. You hear it, you're like, I don't know what that means, and and you never take the effort to discover what it means. He goes, that has no value to you. If your heart is against God, if your heart is hard, if you don't take the energy to learn it, and there's just so many resources available, then know this, it's of no value. Satan just comes and takes that away from you. There's nothing to that. Then he goes on and says, and these are the ones sown on the rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure it for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. So this is the person, the, the seed that was thrown, and it, it went between the cracks, and there was some shallow soil there. And so it, it grew quickly because it didn't really have a deep root system. But when the sun came, it, it scorched it, and it withered, and it didn't produce fruit. So he says, this is the person who hears the Word of God and receives it with joy, but they never build a root system. So what is this like? This is a person who comes to church, they hear the Word of God, and they have a genuine response. So this isn't fake, okay? They have a genuine response. They hear the Word of God. They know it's true. Their heart receives it with joy. In that moment, yes, they're embracing it, taking hold. But they never allow it to change their lifestyle. They never become mature. Because the Word of God it was not meant to increase our knowledge. The Word of God was meant to radically transform our behavior. And so a person who doesn't change, that doesn't grow mature, what happens is they go about their life, and then when there's persecution or tribulation because of the Word of God. And, and that could be an outside source actually making fun of you or resisting you. But even the same, tem- it could also be the temptations that you feel that trying to pull you away from what you once thought was true. And there's that, that urging. And so you have to have that resistance in your spirit. The person who's not mature, who hasn't changed anything, they just fall away because the persecution is too great and they don't want to make that sacrifice. So I want to say something, and I don't want you to hear any condemnation. This is just simply my observation after being a pastor for for 22 plus years. I see this happen all the time. I see people who come to church, and and oftentimes, again, don't hear condemnation in this, okay? I'll hear people, and I'll see people that come to church in in a season of crisis, and I absolutely want them to be there. So don't hear anything else but that. I want them to be there. I want them to hear the truth. But they hear the Word of God. They know it's true. They know it's for the moment. It's for the season that they're in. They receive it with joy, but they never change anything. They don't change their behavior. They, they quit coming to church, or they don't read their Bibles, or they don't change the friends that they're hanging out with, or the, the destructive behavior that led them to that season where everything was broken. And, and, but they have joy in this moment, but then they start to fall away. And then when life gets difficult, they completely fall away. And it doesn't actually produce much fruit in their life. It doesn't change anything. 
And honestly, it's similar on par to the seed that was stolen from Satan immediately because it didn't actually change anything. No fruit was produced. The ultimate goal is that life change will happen. So then he goes on and says, here's the third. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. So that third group, that the seed was sown in soil and it, it grows up, but then the thorns choke it out. He goes, this, this is a person who receives it, they start to make changes, but then they just allow their hearts and the desires that they have to go after other things, and it actually chokes out the Word of God in their life. And what's the ultimate result of them? They don't produce grain or they don't produce fruit. It's of no value. And, and friends, this is a difficult challenge. This was a challenge 2,000 years ago. It's still a challenge, and it's an increased challenge in our culture. Our culture tells us to desire possessions and to desire things, and then we run after them only to discover it's an illusion. And it actually chokes out the very thing that God wants to do in our life. And he's talking about treasures, and he's talking about desires. There's another passage in Scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 6 where Paul talks about this danger of people who run after money. In verse 9 he says, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation into a snare, that's like a trap, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. So, so nobody's he's saying. People who want to be rich, who want to run after money, he goes, you know what that does? It just stirs up and creates new desires and other false desires, and those become a trap to you that will lead you into senseless and harmful desires, like other bad desires, and eventually plunges their lives into ruin and destruction. And he explains why. He says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. So all types of evil behavior that can destroy your life, their roots can be found in one thing, a love of money. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs or many painful decisions. So people have actually quit following God because they love money. And this is exactly what Jesus was saying. Those that run after other desires, they produce no fruit. It has no change in their life. All right, so let's pause. The first three in this parable have the exact same result. So the person who hears the word of God doesn't understand it. It's of no value. The person who hears the word of God have no root system. Difficulties of life just destroy it. It has no value. The person who starts to see growth, but then they allow the desires of their heart to lead them away from God. It has no value. One through three are one and the same. They're not better than the others. These aren't scales of of this one's better and this one's better. No, they're all three bad. They're all three ineffective. But then he tells the last one. He says, but those who were, uh, I'm sorry, but those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word of God and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. They receive the word of God, so they hear it, they receive it, accept it, and bear fruit. They put it into practice. They start to take it, and they allow it to change their lives. And Jesus' promise to those people is that when you take the word of God and apply it to your life, it will bear fruit. And what's the fruit? The fruit is the blessing of other people being blessed, the kingdom of God advancing, but it's also the fruit of God blessing your life and changing your life. Friends, I mean, if you're part of our church, you know how true this is. 
I don't believe I have anything to offer people except the Word of God. When I teach on Sunday, all of it is rooted in the Word of God because I don't think my opinion has value for anyone's life. I don't think my opinion will make your life better. The Word of God will. That's the conviction I have. It's the conviction our church has. When you take this Word and you apply it to your life, it's going to radically change things, but it has to change things. And that's the key to what Jesus was teaching in this passage. So I hope today's Bible study was an encouragement to you. Uh, as always, I, I love you. For, for those that are part of our church, uh, you know how true that is. And those I don't know yet, I hope to meet you someday so that I can love you too. Uh, don't forget, if you are in the area, stop by the church. Let us know that you're connecting through the Bible study. And all of you, God bless, and I hope to see you soon.